The Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast is brought to you proudly by L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers, where Rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged, and the Colony Meadery, the official gluten-free booze made from honey of the process. All the cool people that are above 21 and drinking responsibly are drinking it. Uh, on the show today, a, a back-to-back with the Wizards that when we were planning the podcast, I really just wish we had done last night, but we're not. We're doing it tonight, so... We'll have that, a Lorenzo Brown mailbag with questions about Bellinelli and Ilyasova to make Mike's head uh, spin, Craven LeBlanc and Cody Parkey, and saying the name, the newest Sixer, I've changed his name to Hightower Highsmith, and the uh, tough stretch the Sixers have ahead of them. Uh, oh, before that, fly the process for, it looks like, by the way, that Covington is not going to play on Tuesday night in Philadelphia which means the first time to really salute him will be in Minnesota on March 30th. You should come with us. It's going to be a great time. Uh, They're probably going to lose because they always lose on our road trips, but we're going to have a great time anyway. The whole package, four-star hotels, free breakfast, free happy hours, and just a fantastic time with everybody, a bunch of weirdos in in the Midwest. Once again, go to rightsdrickysanchez.com now to reserve your spot. Without any further ado, here is Run the Jewels. We are the murderous pair. That with the jail and we murdered the murderers there. Then with the hell and discovered the devil delivered some hurt and despair. Used to have powder to push. Now I smoke pounds of the push. Holy, I'm burning the bush. Now I give a fuck about none of this shit. Two runner over and out of this bitch. Step into the spotlight. Welcome to the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with a guy who I, I didn't see you tweet about it, but I imagine you must have been distraught when the Sixers were not the team that signed Pat McCaw this afternoon. Just anybody. <laughs> Just come on. That game fucking sucked. I'm mad. What? That game. That game was bad. It was a bad yeah. game. You shouldn't give up that many points to one of the worst offenses and not be able to score against one of the worst defenses in basketball. It just turn the ball over fucking 24 times. And like 17 of those, like how many of those were in the first, first half? Like 17? Yeah. Ben had seven and Bede had seven. Not acceptable. That's too many. That's, it's not too many. Acceptable. Fucking Ian Mahinmi had five steals. The worst contract in the league. He was a I, plus 11. I sort of wonder... Jan Mahimi. I sort of wonder how many games it took prior to this game for Jan Mahimi to have amassed five steals. I'm going to check. Right. Okay, you could check. It was a not a not a great game. It also... You, you're it's actually... He, he's been hot lately. He's not... He's had four the last three games. Okay. But prior to that, not much. Okay. <laughs> I feel I would have thought he could have gone like two or three years without yeah. having five steals. I was watching as I'm watching this game, uh I was on the <clears throat> I was on another podcast. I was on the uh Super Flight podcast with uh James Holas and Joe Borelli while I was watching the game and they were losing and we we're talking about how bad the wizards are and I was like, you know, it does seem obviously we have more really good players, but it does seem like they have more NBA players than we have on the Sixers, which is disconcerting. I don't and, know if that's true. Well, okay. Are you counting like Chasen Randall and Sam Decker and Jan Mahinmi? Well, I'm definitely counting Sam Decker and Chasen Randall. Sam Decker's <laughs> bad. He played well tonight, but he's absolutely bad. Hmm. And Chasen Randall, former Sixer, is fine. I don't know. Well, they definitely have at least the number that we had tonight because yeah, they had Beal sure. and Porter. Let's see, Beal, Porter, Jeff Green's an NBA player Ugh. who were, de- we're definitely going to trade for I him. know, I know. And you know the predictable reaction is we're all going to be fucking thrilled. Well, at this point, I'd be fine. Like, I, he's not a guy I'm excited about, but, like, literally <laughs> anyone, stand on the court. Mike Muscala is awful. He's awful. He fucking body switched with his racist dad, right? And right, they acquired Jimmy Butler. Hey, give him, give him a break with the dad thing. It's not his fault with the dad. I'm saying he body switched with his dad, who is bad. 
his dad has to be bad at basketball because he's playing like his dad right now. He's useless. He doesn't play in defense. It's unbelievable. That being said, him and TJ and Shake were the only plus positive Sixers tonight. <laughs> how did that even happen? I think I they, they that... poured it on it after I turned it off in the fourth quarter. Uh, they actually did not pour anything on. You didn't miss anything. Korkmaz had three threes in the last like five minutes. He was one of yeah. five from deep. Korkmaz, yeah. who, like, I love him. I love what he can do. I, I love him as a secondary, like, but, whatever, tertiary, whatever. But if you're going to be a shooter, hit fucking shots. You're not good enough at anything else to not be able to hit above 37, 38% from three. You need to. You're open almost every time you're doing it. Hit the, make the shots. Enough I'm of this. Just gonna let you, I'm just going to let you cook here. I'm this not, is, I mean, this isn't... Look, if I'm not going to get to watch a parade of Haywood Heidsmiths come in every 10 days, like it's the process era, then we shouldn't have to treat it like it's the fucking process era. Hit shots, play defense, don't lose the fucking Wizards by 20. Come on. Yeah, I, was, I was nervous about this game when I saw an hour before the game or two hours before the game, I heard the line was only yeah. Sixers minus two and a half. Oh, my friend caught it at uh, Sixers one and a half, and I was like, oh. uh, "I don't know, they know something." Yeah, and uh, yeah, you. I was talking to it. Uh, Amos was complaining about the game, and I was like, uh, "This one seemed like a bad one when I saw the line," and he was like, "What was it?" And I was Sixers minus two and a half, and he goes, "Well, that seems normal. I was like, that seems normal. We're fourteen games over five hundred. They're ten games under five hundred. We just beat them by twenty last night. It should be more than two and a half." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a. It seemed like it was a bad news. Um, yeah, as much as I would like to say, a s- second night of a back to back on the road against the same team that you just blew out, which is a not a good situation. That you you just without you JJ, can't, you cannot. Well, first of all, JJ is too important. That's the first. Of course, thing. yeah. Not, we know that. not that he shouldn't be, but we've known that already. And the second thing is, you can't just continue, and I've said this before, you can't wrap yourself in the blanket of we have three top 25 players and just look that shitty. You can't. Not against that team. Not when, we'll get to it a little bit later, but after the, I think we put, what do we play, the Knicks and then the Timberwolves, and then all of a sudden, there's a there's a run of like ten games in there that are really really hard. Yeah, and it's every every single game the Sixers have played the least number. They earlier in the season their game it was like oh we've had a tough schedule a lot of back to backs a lot of traveling whatever China, but they've also not played any difficult teams really because that's yeah. part of the reason we have we don't have any signature wins. So the Sixers have the Hawks, the Knicks, and then the Wolves, and then it's. It's just tor- torture. It's murder. It's Pacers, yeah. Thunder, Rockets, Spurs, Nuggets, Lakers, Warriors, Kings, Raptors, Nuggets, Lakers, Celtics, and then the Knicks, and then the All-Star break. Yeah. And then they come back, by the way, with Heat, Blazers, Pelicans. I mean, that's whatever. But like that run that you just mentioned after the Timberwolves. It's insane. Every every one of they could lose all of those games. They could lose Not, all of those games. I, honestly, like I was, I was looking at me like if they go five hundred, we're very happy, very, very happy with five hundred. Yeah. Uh, and they need to beat some good teams. Like they just haven't. They just haven't beat enough good teams. They've beaten the Clippers, but every time they beat a good team, it's also we're up by a lot, and then they let them back in, and we l- win by four, and it's like, well, I don't feel good about that either. So, they're just. I mean, I w- I was trying to make myself get like happier about this team because it's like oh you know we're at the time it was like we're 12 13 whatever games over 500 so why not and we have three top 25 players why not be excited about this it's just because they're just not they're simply not there yet and they continue to prove that they're not there yet uh whether it's like internal strife or just not signing that extra guy to a roster spot who knows what the fuck that's going to happen um you know it's not just a lack of depth it's a lack of depth and also the depth that they do have not being that good. Like Wilson Chandler should not be playing like A starters minutes, B maybe any minutes at all. Kenneth Fareed is on Brooklyn and and only plays in garbage garbage time. If Wilson Chandler was on Brooklyn, would he be would, would he play more than Kenneth Fareed? I I I don't know. He's not good. And, He's and by the just way, not. The, and Muscala, I mean it's just not not enough guys that can play. What are the uh 
The Sixers only have six more wins than Brooklyn, I think. And by the way, it was the Dunk Tales pod, not the Super Flight pod that I was on. Um, I'm going to take a break. And look, I know you normally hate the Willie Green Apple Five Star Review, but I, I feel like you need a little bit of thing to cheer you up, and I, I just think it's going to cheer you up. Can I read it? Sure. I, I will a not guarantee bit. it cheers me up. I'm not going to guarantee it either, uh, but I think it's going to cheer you up. We have 2,145 five-star reviews. We want 3,000. Okay, this one comes from NK06. You want 3,000. I don't want 3,000. Yeah, everybody wants 3,000. Come on. You, you like uh, Would you do another yeah. podcast? Yeah. How was this last one? It was horrible. Good. It was one of the, the worst it. days of my life. Yeah. Great. All right, this comes from NK0691. Uh, Unfortunately, I live in Portland, and I have to go watch the Sixers lose at the Moda Center the one time each year they're in town. Despite being blown out this year, the score didn't matter to me because I planned to propose to my girlfriend after the game. Like any other process truster, I popped the question while wearing my Embiid jersey, and she said yes. What's more, more romantic and processy than getting engaged on a night where Embiid is out with an injury, TJ is the best player on the court, and Demetrius Jackson plays meaningful minutes? Anyway, love the pod five stars. So, congratulations. Congratulations. Good choice of game to propose on. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like, there, there is the, uh, clearly their, their depth is, makes uh, back-to-backs more of an issue. But that's not really an excuse when the team you play is horrible. Uh, one other thing I noticed: Bradley Beal is really good. Yeah, uh, man, he's really good. I think I, he gets more credit of being a good defender than he actually is, but offensively, he's really, really, really good. Yeah, and he's um, athletic and able defensively. I would agree. He doesn't stand out defensively. I, I don't. I don't watch enough of them to know. Like how good good he is, he doesn't. Most of the, and a lot of times, guys that stand out defensively aren't actually good defensively. So I don't even know. Yeah, but and I would and I, I would add that Otto Porter is as a guy that's just like incredibly solid across the board almost all the time. Just like uh, not had a not excellent, year, very unspectacular, yeah. but like having a guy out there that can just like make open shots off a curl and just like finish around the rim like enough. It's got to be a nice luxury. I mean, nothing is nice for the Wizards. They're horrendous. And I mean, like, they are the absolute darkest timeline for, for this Sixers team. Yeah. Um, but ho- hopefully that doesn't happen. But they do still have some, like, you know, vestiges of a, of a reasonable team in there. The Beal is now with Wall out, you see it more obviously, but is way better a uh, creator than I ever thought he was. He's really good. Bradley Beal is really, really good. And. Isn't it crazy? He's only he's twenty five. Yeah. He's the same age as Embiid. Yeah. He's been in the league seven years. He's only twenty five years old, and he's an, a guy who uh, had so many. It was part of one of our earlier slangs of Andrew Sharp. Uh, all of the injury issues he had his first three four years in the league, and he's gotten pretty solid since then. Um, I don't know what else to say about the game tonight. It was it was uh, it was terrible. Do you? You want to talk about the one last night, or do you just want to? Is there anything else from tonight? I, I don't even know what else to say when they're. I mean, I don't like um, that Jonah Bolden barely played. He wasn't good. He should. Yeah. At this point, he just shouldn't shoot threes. Like I don't. And there's yeah. sometimes when it's like he should shoot them, work through it. Like he shouldn't. He shouldn't shoot no. threes. He's really, yeah. really bad at them. Uh, he should spend the off season learning how to do it. Maybe. Yeah. And, uh, if he could get to. Th- uh, 28 or 30 percent. I wouldn't mind it, but he's yeah. shooting what? He's got a nice touch around the rim. He's a horrible foul shooter. Also, he just has to be diving all the time, just diving and never stop diving. Go, go, go to the glass. He's long enough on defensive end. He helps out. Um, he had a nice. He has a couple nice blocks already this season. Like he should play, but like as much as I love the spacing, like he's just not. He's not going to hit shots. He's not going to. Um, I, but I did want him to play more. Shake uh, Milton turned the ball over for the first time last night in his career, so that was disappointing. I was hoping we'd go for a whole season without <laughs> any turnovers. Um, what else? What else? Shaman obviously was on fire. That was exciting. Uh, most threes since Dana Barros, probably. Him and Iverson. And did Hollis have eight one game? Is that what they were saying? I think they said that, which no, I love. Was Can- wasn't Cannon one of them? It wasn't. Mm. It, Are you sure? I'm. He's never done anything of note, actually. 
Um, so, Sham, I mean, Shamit's good at that stuff. He's got to improve the defensively. They seek him out on isolations, and he's not getting, like, sometimes even when he's playing good defense, the, the refs will, like, call a foul on him because he is small and a rookie. He's got to bulk up a lot. He is so small. Yeah. Do you know, we, we, uh, I was with Giglio and Fritz earlier, and we were, I was talking about how skinny he was. And, oh, and they asked how, how much does he weigh? And I was like, I bet he doesn't weigh more than 165. And they looked him up. Do you know he's listed at 188? There is no way. Tall guys, God's like when here. you're that tall, like you just have pounds. But he's listed at eight pounds more than, than Korkmaz, who's two inches taller. There's no way. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't seem right. No. Um, but him but him basically I think somebody tweeted at me asking what like Shamit's ceiling was. And it's not unreasonable to think he can be, you know, not the probably you know, fifteen year career reddick consistency, but that level of shooter off the screens with the added element of a little more athleticism and definitely better ball handling and hopefully, you know, league average defense once he gets his body there but obviously the shooting of Redick has been and the way he how quickly he gets a shot off there was a quote about Shamit that Brett gave to, uh, crediting uh, Jim O'Brien for like noticing in the work when they brought him in for a workout how quickly the ball leaves his hands so I don't I mean who I think he'll be here for a while and Bede said he'll be here for a while and Bede was funny with doing the uh, checking his fever with the back of his hand on the yeah. on the court I remember being happy last night I don't I, I vaguely this game was tough, man. I, it sucked. They shouldn't lose yeah, the Wizards yeah. ever. I don't care. I know it's an NBA team and it's tough to win home and homes, but like they just they never gave a shit out there. They lost every single quarter. They tied the fourth. Uh, at en- at any point, they were just they once they were down like twenty eight. They were like, all right, let's try. They got it to like seventeen, and we're like, okay, we can probably claw back into this. And then gave up a couple more buckets, and it was like, no, we suck. And and again, you're gonna bring this up, but like. Having to play Embiid, Simmons, and Butler 34, 35, 36 minutes in a game that you were down 17 to 20 for most of the second half sucks. When they, when they got it down to, they, at one point they got it down to 14 or 13 or something in the fourth quarter. And it must have been like eight minutes left in the quarter. And at that point, I was like, okay, let's go. Let's see if he can get it back in. But when they build it back up to 18 and there's, five minutes left or six minutes left like what are we even doing out here like yeah. this is a uh, and I do I do realize that sometimes I'll talk out both sides of my mouth and that the three seed is super important um, right it's the difference between playing Brooklyn in the first round and Indiana or Boston or something like that but or Milwaukee but man oh man you, you just especially with the stretch coming up just Call it off. Just I call I, off I think at this point, as far as regular season teams go, the Sixers don't aren't going to get there. I think they're going to be a four or a five seed, uh, especially looking down the barrel of the stretch they're about to go through. It's not unreasonable that they go. I think it's tw- I think it's twelve games. You can check the math on that, but I think it's twelve like tough games in a row, and they could easily go four and eight. And be down in the in the five five ish spot. Um, so I, I, at this point, I I would I would just gear up for a Sixers Pacers first round matchup and just be like, okay, that's going to be it. Um, That'll be it. A, a team that they should beat. Matchup. A team they should yeah. beat. Pacers are tough and they're well coached and they and they play tough. Um, and when the lineups get uh, smaller uh, and you don't go to your bench as much, then the Sixers will not be as disadvantaged as they are in the regular season when it's just like game after game after game and travel and everything. But um, that's, you know, they still need a couple more guys and they need people to stay up, play up, and they need to get more cohesive because there's so many bad turnovers, just so many. Like Jimmy Butler passed to Embiid, like no one was on either of them, and it somehow went backcourt. And the same thing happened to Muscala, and he let it go all the way down to the other end, and they got and they got the ball under the basket. Like so many of those things, where it's like, guys, what the fuck? It's inexplicable. It's lazy, and you think like, all right, we'll tighten it up, we'll tighten it up. And sometimes they do, 
but you got to win the easy ones, especially when they're when this is coming ahead. And and the Sixers are again not they don't have enough talent to where they if all of the best players don't play good, they can't like give up offensive rebounds and turn the ball over and go shoot. You know, prior to Korkmaz making his last three, five of twenty four from three. I I I have actually a question about that the the um I have a, a culture question for you uh, after let's talk about uh, a, a good thing sponsors are a, are a good thing it's a happy place stop being a loser and just drink some fucking mead <laughs> stop being a loser you're just look if you're old enough to drink and you can drink responsibly. Just stop drinking that same old thing and get some mead from the Colony Meadery. There's no gluten in it. There's no gluten in it. It's made from It's honey. illegal. It's we would illegal prosecute. Them to, they cannot put gluten in it. The cop will show up Try. at the doorstep. The FBI, there's no gluten. So when, when you're, you're at the beer store or whatever and you're looking for something gluten-free and it's just that... That fucking cider. You're just sick of that fucking cider. Get the mead. Get some colony mead. There's so many different flavors. So many different flavors. Get Seth's left arm. It's the apple mead. Get Lickface Volume 1, the flavor swapped. Mm. The right Ricky Sanchez mead. Get Grapefruit League, the grapefruit mead. T-Tax, the Arnold Palmer mead. My personal favorite, mini mead. Made with raspberry blossom honey. Go Uh, to the uh, black market and see if you can get any discontinued mead. Yes, maybe with a, a player on it that you're maybe the likeness of a player on it. Season desist that? mead. <laughs> Season desist mead. Look, it's really good. They have a million flavors and they're all good. I like the stuff in a can, but the stuff in the bottle has the uh, the higher alcohol content. Go to colonymeadery.com. You can order it online. Use code Ricky for $5 off. That's colonymeadery.com. And also, it's everywhere. If you live here in the, the Delaware Valley, there are so many places to get it. Every Wegmans in Eastern PA has it. Uh, the Foodery has it. Beer Love has it. Tons of places. Or as I said, you can go to uh, colonymeadery.com or go to the Meadery Tap Room in Allentown and just have a, a tasting and a tour and uh, ask them if they have any of those posters left from any cease and desist meads. This is their new slogan. I haven't told Greg about it yet. Stop being a fucking loser. Just drink some mead. Um, must be 21 to drink. Please get buzzed responsibly. Um, I sort of think as much as we like to celebrate how much everybody likes each other here with the Sixers, there, I don't think currently is any real culture of responsibility to each other. And I think... Part of that is the big three stars all being not totally same page guys um, and Butler obviously being Butler, but just getting here and also being on an expiring deal. Mescala, who isn't not a bad guy by any means, but not like culture guy. Uh, Chandler, same thing. Um, Reddick, from what I understand, even though he's, a, a decent enough guy, definitely a keeps to himself guy, not Mr. Vocal in the locker room guy. And at a certain point, they they have to feel a responsibility to each other that they owe it to each other. And it's it's funny, somebody tweeted at me today, because um, I was already thinking about this. He was like, man, I just look at the Sixers and he goes, I sort of feel like if they traded McConnell, who's the one guy that gets along with everybody, that it could like the locker room could fall apart completely. And I I don't really know what's holding it together at this point. And the thing that they had before, we always were were very positive on Brett on being able to hold the locker room together when during the process years. The thing about that is they did they were all fighting for their lives. And I think much like us and our whole community, there was sort of like an us against the world feeling that probably existed there mm-hmm. and everybody was young too uh, and the only older guys they had there were like culture guys whether it's Bamute or Landry or guys that are or Elton to that extent uh, or James uh, James Jason Richardson was there for a little while too 
I, I sort of wonder when I look at a game like this, everybody likes to blame the coach, but the truth is, is that like when the coach yells at you or that you, you feel a responsibility to the coach, I, I think it's more about feeling responsibility to each other than it is to the coach. And we love to say, hey, he didn't have him ready. And certainly Brett, that a part of that is on him. But, um, and especially for a guy in Brett who said he was sick of, remember when he said he was sick of, co- of gypsies, of like coaching gypsies, how it was like in and out, everybody every year. And it's like sort of the same thing now. There's been no consistency. And I do think that the trade um, disrupted whatever consistency they had there and sort of maybe even togetherness they had there. And I hope that starts to develop because I do think games like this, and there are too many of them, uh, there have been too many of them, is uh, in part a result of, in addition to everything that we've already talked about, is in part a, a result of not enough of a like group bond and a culture of responsibility to each other. Yeah, I don't disagree. I mean... I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I think the there, there is a... I don't want to be like the armchair psychologist guy and body language yeah. critic guy. You look at some teams and it seems like they're celebrating more and they're having more fun playing with each other. Um, I think the Sixers do that kind of stuff when it's guys that are unexpected, whether it's like Shamit or Korkmaz getting hot, like those kinds of things. But when it's Embiid or Simmons or Butler just doing their thing, unless it's at like at like the buzzer or in crunch time minutes, it is kind of just like we're going about our business. And maybe we'll see that change. You know, maybe going up against these tough opponents every night uh, yeah. in the coming weeks will sort of galvanize them and be like, yo, we got to be here for this. We can't just sleepwalk through it. Um, otherwise, we're going to get you know blown off the court. Um, well, and, and that's why it's so disappointing. Like, that's what, what Jimmy Butler should be, you know? Like, it, when you're bringing a 29- or 30-year-old star player into the fold with all these young guys and assorted veterans, like, part of it's got to be he realizes the importance of those games. Well, and, I mean, or is he, you know, we're making the playoffs. Let's, let's make sure we're right for the playoffs guy. Uh, I don't know. I'm asking. Yeah, I, I, I don't think they can be the Houston Rockets in the second year of their back-to-back championships or the Spurs just getting the dance kind of thing. Um, I, I, well, maybe that's what he's like, but it's not what he should be. Yeah. Like, they, like they're, not, they're not good enough yet to do that. I think so, I too. I, there was a scout, I think, um, there was a scout that I think Seltzer retweeted or tweeted about like from an article saying, uh, on the Western Conference scout who said, you know, people are sleeping on the Sixers, but you can be sure nobody wants to face him. Embiid's a monster. People talk about Simmons' jump shot, but he's still a monster. Butler, uh, they referenced TJ, like, hitting every shot and nobody wanting to face him and stuff. And said, like, nobody, because they're a physical team, you're just not going to want to go up against them for, you know, best out of seven. To which I agree, and maybe we just watch them too much, and maybe we just, it, you know, the, the mistakes are, are magnified and... The sort of casual greatness of Embiid is sort of uh, lessened because we see it. We see it all the time. Um, but I, I, you know, there's a lot. It, it feels really easy to exploit this team. Like it seems yeah. like if you're the, if you're another team, and you have the personnel to run out, you know, a, a quick point guard that can shoot, uh, three wing body defenders that can shoot and switch. Um, and then a center that can maybe stretch the floor. So, I mean, I'm basically describing uh, the Bucks right now. Um, isn't it? Don't you just run a pick and roll with Embiid? And if the guard goes behind on the screen, whether it's Butler or Chandler or TJ or whatever, Embiid's going to drop. That's that's you know Bledsoe or Brogdon walking into a three, and that's usually a decent shot. Um, or George Hill, who you love. Uh, or I mean I, I just think like it, it's it's so easy to get open against the Sixers. I think you you attack the rim and Bead's obviously very good at char- changing shots. You take it into Simmons or you, you hold the ball too long, then Simmons and Butler are going to fly around there and 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 cause turnovers and get their hands in there. But 
you there's mismatches to be found, and because Embiid has so much responsibility in the defensive end, he just lets jump shots happen. He just Thomas Bryant took a shot today, and was just like Embiid didn't even get a hand up. Mike Muscala barely gets a hand up. Like there, it it's it seems really easy if you have shooters to make shots, pretty open shots against the Sixers, and then if you if you have a guy whether it's Brogdon or Jalen Brown and Marcus Morris or uh, Oladipo and Boyan Bogdanovich, and you get JJ Redick or Landry Shamit on him, you take him in the post or take him off the dribble and just you know get fouled. It seems it just seems really easy. There's just not enough guys that can that can hang. And then defensively, you know, just a t- double Embiid, double Embiid, and hopefully double double him late enough in the shot clock where he takes a turnaround. And sometimes he's going to make it because he's really good. Sometimes he's going to dribble through it because he's really good. Sometimes you're going to get a foul called on you because uh, Embiid has that kind of clout and respect. But I think it's really easy to play against Sixers. Now, obviously, they have a bunch of good players, and they can make things happen, and, and you can all of a sudden just get down big because the Sixers have, have guys that can take over the game on any possession. But compared to the other playoff teams, I just don't I don't think they have the guys. I think they're too easy to exploit on on any given possession. Well, I'm looking at, this isn't everything, obviously, but the Sixers point differential is they are plus 2.1. The New Orleans Pelicans are also uh, plus 2.1, and they're 19 and 22. Uh, Utah Jazz are plus 2.0. They're 20 and 21. Well, to me, that um, I, don't, I don't know that I trust point differential that much. I, I like... You know, the Sixers don't have a lot of depth, so when they go up big in the fourth quarter and they try to rest their stars, like them, come, the, the deficit going from like 25 to 11, that affects point yeah, but differential. That's part, that's part of it, too, but it's, it's also, I don't know, like I, I, I think it is, I think the Sixers are not as good as their record, is what I would say. Well, we'll definitely find out right. over the next couple yeah. weeks if they, can, if, they yeah. can, if they can go 500, I think that's, I think that's great. I really yeah, do. Enormous. I think that we should aim, our, our, our goal should be 500. And if it's if it's I above agree. that, then like great, then we feel yeah. awesome. But we shouldn't. It should you know a lot of those games are on the road. Not all of them, but a lot of those games are on the road. So, like you know, that that that's that swing of Portland, uh, Sacramento, Lakers, and Warriors. Like those are not easy games to go to go out there and win those games. If they can get two of those, then you feel great. I, I Honestly, just don't. Five, and it's not like. Five hundred yeah. seems impossible. Yeah, like, almost, yeah. I, I'm, I'm being honest with you. I'm looking at that, that, that fucking that schedule. If if we're talking about after the Timberwolves game, that that stretch, right? Five hundred. I would be, I will throw a, a party. And and to, and to some extent, like you know, I picked the Pacers to be a little worse this year, just because teams aren't going to be surprised by them this year, since they were a good team last year. But they are so solid, and I would say that like when you're the Sixers and you have Embiid, who's polarizing, walking on through your door. Ben Simmons, who's polarizing, walk through your door. Jimmy Butler is polarizing. Like you have those guys, you're not gonna. They're not gonna surprise you. You're gonna gear up to play the Sixers. Whereas if you're playing the Pacers or even the Kings, or the Clippers or any of those kinds of teams, like you can be like, all right, well, I'm tired. This is a regular season game. We're on a back to back, whatever. The Sixers, I think almost everybody have them circled on their schedule because they're just a big, loud, noisy team, mm-hmm. and. Yep. Uh, yeah, I mean, five five hundred would be great. We we throw a party if they get five hundred on this on this big swing. Yeah, we'll we'll, do, we'll we'll throw an official right to Ricky Sanchez party if they if they go five hundred. I, mean, I can imagine the the party thrown for the game to go five hundred. Oh, huge! Uh, can can yeah, we talk yeah, about Haywood Highsmith? Yes, uh, who I have renamed Hightower Highsmith. Why to get better? I don't um, think I don't know. You, you have something. It, it already works. Haywood Highsmith is strange enough as it is. So, you don't need to add a hat on yes. the hat. So. Haywood, here's what happened. Haywood Highsmith is a, is a great name. It is, I said, it is half WWE bad guy and also half action hero bad guy, uh-huh. Haywood Highsmith. But I forgot what his name was today, and I wrote down Hightower Highsmith, and I'm like, that can't be right. No, it's not. Um, but I really liked it. So his stats make it look like he's Covington. Yeah. Yeah. So what's his deal? Where Lee, where Lee, what's, his, what's his deal? Well, he played D2 uh, for Wheeling Jesuit. Um, well, I like that. I would like to know more about why he wasn't uh, recruited by a D1 school. 
Um, and he, I think he stayed all four years there also. So that's even crazier that nobody took a, took a chance on him after like a couple of years. He couldn't get like, you know, Eastern Carolina didn't want some of that. I don't know. Uh, um, I hope they don't find he committed some crime and make you hate him. That would be tough. <laughs> that would be tough. <laughs> yeah. Look, he has a nice, okay. he has a nice guy face. Yep, he Ho- does. Hopefully that's that's the case. Yeah, I mean, I think he's Covington. I think there's there's obviously plenty of guys on the in the in the G League that can get their own bucket more. But I think the Sixers are looking for role player types. They don't need more guys that you know demand the basketball, especially not for somebody on a two way. Um, his first shot was just catch and shoot in the corner. Uh, he's not a he's not black hole, and he's not even like he can dribble a little bit. He can pass a little bit. Um, Pretty athletic, kind. Not, I wouldn't say like super long, not like Covington long, but has enough length to 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 stay with guys and 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 help off ball. I like him. I legitimately think he might be our fifth best player right now. <laughs> That's not a joke. I think so. Embiid, Simmons, Jimmy, and then like you could JJ. Uh, let's say let's say JJ. There's an absolute yeah. argument to be made that Haywood Highsmith is is the is the next is the next best player. <laughs> Right that right now. Hopefully Shake gets better. Hopefully Landry gets to hang on the defensive end more. Hopefully TJ can learn to shoot. Same with Jonah Bolden. But like as far as guys that can hang on both ends, give me Highsmith. Uh, sp- speaking of, I I gotta ask you about two things with TJ because you mentioned TJ. Have you noticed? And I I tweeted about it today. Um, because I, I said it was JJ was now treating the shots at the end of the shot clock like he is on the last year of his contract. TJ is shooting the last, like when he takes those full court shots at the end of a quarter, he's always a half second late now, like some NBA guys are, and he never used to be that way. And at the end of the game last night, he went to do it, or the end of the half, and he threw his arm up without shooting the shot yeah i want you to keep an eye on this i saw i I saw and have noticed that as well yeah and then hopefully they like they nba stats do like heaves as a separate category i know they've they've talked about that but it's still in his right like percentage there's no way this guy isn't thinking about his percentage right now um and he was never never that guy so you can tell he's hey get your money you got you do what you got to do I need him to yes, hit regular um, threes and not where and uh, he can keep doing the the fake heaves if he starts taking and making regular threes. Uh, the other thing is we have not spoken enough, I think, about the the TJ steal the inbound pass thing. It is tremendous, and it seems to happen twice a game. And uh, I don't know. I I know this is a we hate the Sixers podcast. But I do love TJ stealing the inbound pass. Yeah, um, it's crazy that I, it happens. It, that it still happens. He's in his fourth year. He's been doing it since yeah. he was a rookie. Yeah, it's a it's a ama- that that is the amazing part is that it it's still happening. Like he's still getting away with it. I, I think there's um, so much like accept, accepted in the NBA regular season. Accepted like all right, let's just ease into this. Let's not try too hard. It's like calm down. If it's a national game or it's two big teams, then maybe that that's different. But like, I think various times in the regular season, there's like, all right, this is just a January game. Can we just cool it? And so some people are going through the motions, and And here comes TJ, like sneaking behind, you know, a a guy just running up the court, (laughs) and he's stealing the ball. And uh, yes, playoff TJ. I don't know. I don't know that this year that will happen. But he, you know, he keeps defying the odds. As is so, he, he is a fucking like nightmare pickup player. Yeah, like just an absolute <laughs> total nightmare. Yeah, um, yeah. So uh, Highsmith, obviously, it'll take him a while to get um, situated, I guess, and actually start playing. But we don't have any good players, so they might as well start. Uh, they put him. He's on a two way, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, he's he's the second. He's the second two way. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe, so. maybe you know, ten day season is upon us. Maybe we're maybe that's what they do. What, why? This. Why is what do you? What is your? What is your prediction about what they're doing with the empty roster spot? Do you think it they're is a never doing anything with it? <laughs> they're, they're, I don't know. I looked. There's so I think there's eleven teams that have an empty roster spot, and some of them are bad. Like I think the Bulls have an empty roster spot. Okay. Um, but 
so it, it doesn't seem like totally crazy. And when I think about it, you know, to a certain extent, I'm just trying to think this through because I was thinking about it today. Sometimes we're like, I don't know, uh, we just want somebody, right? Like that's what you want. You just want somebody. But like everybody that's available is terrible. So like, is it really worth putting him there if he's going to be terrible and they got to onboard him anyway and like they have to get him ready anyway? And like maybe they're just waiting for a player they think is of some value to put there. But why, so, but why not sign a guy to a non-guaranteed and I don't know, man. And then I'm cut him after to... whatever. They, they, they've needed to... guys. They've needed them. Pat McCall just went to the Raptors for nothing. And again, I, I think I think, he, I think he's going to be good. I, I don't know that he's he's not ready to probably not ready to contribute right away. So maybe the Sixers are like not worth it, or maybe there's personality stuff that they don't. I, I don't know, but they need usable bodies. Like Demetrius Jackson played meaningful minutes recently. Now he's in China. Like they just need them, or like cut a mirror and get somebody else. The, in, in a trade well, situation, the Sixers, like, you look at the Celtics, you've talked about this before, you look at the Celtics and they have a bunch of mid-level guys making mid-level money that you can package to get somebody or, or whatever. The Sixers don't have that. So if they acquire someone, not, a, not in a buyout situation, then the Sixers would have to be the one packaging right. guys. It would be like Bolden and Korkmaz for some other minimum guy. That's more of a vet, so I don't. It just or or you trade Chandler and you see if you can get two useful guys for Chandler. So like Chandler and a first for like two useful guys. I don't know. I don't know if that if that exists. I don't know. I just I just know it's going to be harder for them to get what they need the rest of this year than um, than I think like we can imagine yeah. at this point. You do know, Do you think I, they're just, just waiting for buyouts? I have no idea. Do you think there's like one, have no idea. one guy in a buyout situation that they're like, this is the guy we want, this is the guy we think we can get, and we're just going to sit on him and wait and wait for it because we think that that would be the most helpful? Like you, you don't want it to think that they're doing it because they are being cheap. Like that's the only thing that I, I can't imagine isn't. that's the case. I can't imagine it. Uh, they just, you know, uh, new practice facility, a ton of money coming in. Wait a minute. New practice facility, which was free, by the way, basically. Like, they got so many tax breaks from New Jersey, the practice facility sure. is free. I, I, so. I just don't think that these guys are the cheap guys. I, I can't imagine that that's the case. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't. I think they'd be cheap guys in the sense that, like, you know, there's poison in the drinking fountains at Wells Fargo Center, not, like, we're not going <laughs> to pay a player. They don't own Wells Fargo. Sure, okay, that's true. There are poison in the, in the whatever. <laughs> Some like who gives a shit normal capitalist thing. Not like we need a body to play basketball now. I don't think they're I like, ah, eh, we don't need it. We already paid enough that. enough of these guys. They're not. It's not like a mom and pop ownership group that's like pretends to be uh, too cheap to be able to afford stuff. Like they have the money. Okay. They want to be seen as this like first class number one organization type. They got to be. To me, it's either they are uh, saving up. To promote Shake, um, and and they'll Boy, eventually that's just the dream bump one, him, isn't it? right? They'll, they'll, I I do like Shake a lot, but he you know I think they need a little bit more than that this year. Um, either bumping him up. When does when does two way season end? Are we is it are we past that or is it like the fifteenth? I, I thought it, I think it, it was January. We can't be past it. We have two guys in two ways. No, I'm saying we, to sign new guys to two uh, ways, it I ends at a certain point. I, I, I think it might be January 15th. So I wonder if at January before then they bump shake up to a, to a two way and then have somebody or to a regular and have somebody else for two way, or there's somebody in buyout or trades that they are like locked in on and they're kind of ignoring everybody else and just saying we're keeping it open until then because all that matters is the playoffs, even at the expense of tired Embiid, tired Simmons, tired Butler. <laughs> And, and losing games. Maybe, yeah, and maybe, you know, so what if we get the four or five seed? We think we can beat anybody there anyway. All right. I, I want to, we have a couple of good 
Brian Colangelo relationship advice questions and a couple of good mailbag questions, and I want to get to them. Great. Um, but before that, I want to talk about the original sponsor of the Ricky, L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers. One of many people uh, tweeting out pictures of our New Year's cards sent to select few in the world. Um, LL was touched by the card. LL, would you say LL is a, uh, a just, I'm trying to think of a word to describe LL of LL Pavorsky Jewelers. He's a genuine good guy. Um, and he is so well-dressed. He is so impeccably dressed. I'm just amazed that he's such a good guy and he looks so well put together and he works so hard and has such a good jewelry store. Like all of those things together, he's sort of like, you know, sometimes uh, I'm like, Jared Leto, man, you're handsome and you can act and you can sing, getting everything all at once. LL is like the jeweler version of Jared Leto. Yeah, that tracks. <laughs> um, uh, 115 people have bought engagement rings from LL Pavorsky. And look, man, we're five weeks away from Valentine's Day. And you know what I always say? People who say it's cliche to propose on holidays are idiots. Um, proposing is cliche. You might as well do it on a holiday. So if you want an engagement ring for Valentine's Day, reach out to LL right now and make an appointment. So you can get in there and look at the engagement rings he has. Give him a call, 215-627-2252. Uh, 707 Walnut is where the store is. If you don't want to call, you can email uh, llpavorsky.com or just tweet him at llpavorsky. He is the Jared Leto of jewelers. Uh, and for every podcast, he makes generous donations to Coded by Kids and the Providence Animal Center. LL Pavorsky Jewelers. Hey, Lee. Hi, Pavorsky, the two-way jeweler. Of the Delaware Valley Bluecoats. Really <laughs> Haley Hyperforce. Really I didn't it know what you were that. doing there. Really mashed it all together. All right. We haven't done this in easily a year. Brian Colangelo relationship advice. I keep my heart under my pillow with my teeth and other lies. I've been waiting on your halo just to shine the light. Yes, that's right. Our theme uh, for Brian Colangelo relationship advice comes from Philadelphia's own Eliza Hardy-Jones. Eliza, as we found out, friends with uh, Dave from, from War on Drugs. Thanks to Dave again for coming on the pod. Two Brian Colangelo relationship advice questions. The first one comes from Joseph. What do you think of letting the dog sleep in the bed with you and your significant other? Mike, do you have a, a take on this? Uh, I'm pro. I'm pro. Um, Pro dog in the bed. Yeah, but I have in my um, my childhood, both of my dogs were very inside dogs. Okay. So there wasn't like, I think people are like, you know how people are like, oh, take your shoes off when you come in my house. But like they have dogs that go outside and then just come in. Yes. That's like me. You ask people to take your shoes off, but you let your dogs like, yeah. you know, outside asshole, like rummage around everywhere and everything. Dude, I let my dog lick my face. I don't let humans lick my face. There's different rules. <laughs> but I would say that <laughs> the dirt is the same dirt, no matter if it's from your... Uh, I don't care. Okay. That's the rule. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, so here's what we do. I am. I like the dog in the bed, but like I also... I, I like the dog not to be in the bed, too, um, because I, I think... If the dog is always in the bed, you know, you can prevent whatever. So what ends up what? happening with us, you know, like if you're laying in bed with your girlfriend or boyfriend. You or kick the dog wife, out. Go. Yeah, but like. Shut the door. You know, what if, what if the dog doesn't want to leave? Whatever. So our dog sleeps on his big barker. And then in the morning around 4 a.m., he comes over to my side of the bed Um butts me with his head, and then jumps in bed in between us. That feels like a fair sleep. compromise. Yeah, yeah, it is. Second Brian Colangelo relationship advice question. This one comes from Greg. Um, I quite literally live at my job. I work and live at YMCA camp near Reading, PA. This makes it really hard to meet people and have a social life. 
is there a non-creepy way to have people come back to my house without saying, come back to my cabin in the woods? Hmm. I would say no. Yeah. I think what you have to do first is like go out with them. A couple public dates. Yeah. You know, don't just be like, oh, hey, it was good to meet you. Do you want to come to my house? Like, I don't live in a cabin in the woods at the YMCA and I don't say that. Right. Most of my friends have never even been to my house. So I would say a couple public dates, then maybe if it's uh, starting to get somewhat serious, you do like a, hey, I'm having a couple friends over. Yeah. Ease them into that situation. Mm hmm. And then you're like, okay, this is where I live, but there's also other people around. It's not, you're not isolated. There's cell service. But then it's funny, like you're having a bunch, you're going from having nobody over to having a bunch of people over. Yeah. Yeah, well, I guess. Deal with Um, it. All right. Uh, On to the Lorenzo Brown mailbag. Um, Lorenzo Brown mailbag. We don't have any music for Lorenzo Brown mailbag, but uh, Lorenzo Brown recently cut by the Toronto Raptors. Raptors. I would like to have him. Why? You know, switchable. (laughs) No. (laughs) Uh, Hey guys, love the pod. It's the first one I listen to when a new episode pops up. Uh, I even if I have some queued up. Two questions, talking points that I'm curious for your thoughts on. Um, First one. Uh, I actually don't even we did enough Butler on the last one. Uh, this is the one I wanted to get to. On Ilyasova and Bellinelli. I feel the same way with your hatred of how good the media fans think they were. They helped a lot at the time but had huge flaws and were not anything special. That said, how do you have that stance and at the same time worry that we can't get some good pieces in here to make a run? If those two could make us that much better, I'm confident we could find a couple of bodies to make us a legit contender, especially with Butler and not needing depth as much in the playoffs. Thanks, and keep up the great show. To his point, it is uh, hypocritical of us to say, to be sick of hearing about Ilyasova and Bellinelli, and then every podcast come back and say, we don't have enough players. Well, those guys were bad. And because they were uh, bad in the playoffs, they were why they didn't advance. I do know Ilyasova is good culture guy, by the way. I, I, I think Ilyasova is not bad. I think he is. I wouldn't have given him three years, $21 million, Sure, yeah. But I think he's pretty good. He's all right. Um, yeah. He definitely was, was washed by the time that Boston series came around. And I think he's, he's not like a, he doesn't seem like a happy guy. Maybe people like him. I, I sort of put him and Muscala in the same boat of like kind of serious, but like not a shitty guy to be around. I don't know. Maybe I, I literally know nothing about Muscala. I know nothing. I don't know a single thing about it. Although I saw something like a charity ju- event. I think he's just a guy. Yeah. I think he's just a guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, look, I, I've said that like it shouldn't be that hard to get useful pieces for like role player guys once all the core guys are set up and we have that um but it's the midseason if Markel and Zaire and to some extent like Justin Patton aren't those guys then they have to either trade for them and we've already talked about how salary wise difficult to find ways to make that work or buyout season which is dicey because, you know, last year was a really good year for buyout guys, but not every year is. And yeah. you you're we got we get, it it's hard to it's hard to put into context just how lucky we as, as shitty as we say those guys are, how lucky we were to get and part of it was now look, we're gonna have the minutes. Part of it, the reason that we were able to get those guys is because we had the minutes to hand out, and which we have. Which again, appeals to so. guys when they get bought out. But like last year, yeah, there were the reason that there weren't much wasn't much trade deadline action last year, and I guess we should start talking about the trade line, deadline because it's a little over a month away. Um, but was because like Memphis didn't trade Tyreek Evans, right. which was such a weird right. thing. And yeah. so the reason that we got that both of those guys weren't traded at the deadline. Still can't hear you, buddy. Hello. Oh, there you are. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Back to the pod. <laughs> Normal stuff. Normal stuff all around. Yeah, I mean, it's, I just think they're keeping a roster spot open. They better use it because yeah. if they're 
waiting on one guy, then it's gonna they're gonna be left with their dick in their hands, and it's gonna be embarrassing. Couple of more quick emails. Um, uh, This is from Trevor uh, from Iowa. Hello, folks of the Tricky Ricky. As a Ricky listener and Sixers fan from Iowa, I'm saddened to say that I'm a Bears fan. That being said, this has been the most tumultuous afternoon of my life. I would simply like to send a message to Spike. Craven LeBlanc is a former Bear. Any access, any success the Philadelphia Eagles have and will ever have is because the Bears got rid of LeBlanc. You are welcome. See you in Minnesota for the process reunion. Um, I, I have gravitated to Craven LeBlanc. Yeah. I was wondering if you think there's a more process eagle than LeBlanc. <laughs> LeBlanc's pretty processed. That's pretty good. Yeah. LeBlanc definitely is. I really, it's insane that this, the Eagles are doing what they're doing with like me and you at corner. Um, yeah. I like, I like Sudfeld and Alshon coming to the game together. Yeah. Wonder what they're talking about. Uh, weird that your number one receiver and your third string quarterback are, are hanging out, but cool. Uh, LeBlanc, yeah, no, LeBlanc is LeBlanc is cool. I wanted Josh Sweat to be better. Maybe he'll uh, get there. That's a great name too. Yeah, it is. I like that he doesn't wear anything on his arms. Just has like, just nothing but arms over there. That feels like a process move. Uh, <laughs> if I mean, just quick Eagles talk. Like if they beat the Saints, it, I mean, yeah. we're we're beyond any realm of normalcy like it's it's crazy well, what this I, team is doing i i've not said this i've, I've said this outside with in, outside out loud within the offices of wip but i've never said it like publicly like the true city melts down dream is beat the saints yep, say it. beat the cowboys in the nfc championship game beat the chiefs and andy reed oh my god <laughs> oh my god <laughs> I didn't even think there's I didn't no, think past the Cowboys. Right now I'm like, all right, if they, no, if they can beat the Saints, then I want Dallas like big time. The, I haven't thought no of Andrew. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. I think yeah. the I think the Eagles should contract themselves after they after that. They should it should <laughs> it should end. <laughs> I told everybody more. at Oric, I was like, if the Eagles win another Super Bowl with Nick Foles, I'm retiring from this job. I have nothing left to prove. I think and that's true. Jack was like, What do you mean you don't have anything to prove? <laughs> and I'm like, hello. Two Super Bowls, nothing left to prove. Yeah, um, and I uh, called it. One more, qu- one more quick uh, email, and then a good one. Uh, this is from Tyler. What was the time someone not saying the, the name made you the angriest? Your this is your domain more than it is mine, so you probably have you have the grievances back. Well, you get you up. get you get mad though. At I get mad at the, the it, just in a general way. Well, News okay, so coverage, it seems like. I don't get mad when it when it's like. Uh, national publication writes an article about the history of the process, doesn't credit us. I get mad, no, I get mad. literally when they show film of us at a yeah. place that we yeah. rounded everybody up at and they're saying just like, you know, Sixers fans gathered. And that that is, to me, that's just irresponsible journalism. And I think they should be fired. But uh, th- yeah, I agree. I think I think that's I, a pa- like so le- such a level of egregiousness that is like we're here. You're looking at us. If you're sh- you're taking a picture of someone, you wouldn't say this is a, a, a notable person. You wouldn't say this human man. You'd say his fucking name. <laughs> yeah, this. I and I think we've we've gotten to the point with local media where they they do say it now. But it was pretty tumultuous for a while yeah. there. Uh, Philip was a little I, less uh, aggressive. You, you're very aggressive. Philip was not that aggressive. Kristen has yeah. has followed in your footsteps of being very attacking. Very if, if, uh, yep. if somebody's name well, doesn't get said, you got to call call people out. You know, somebody called out Zach Harper. Uh, did his his uh, his power rankings for the Athletic and did a would you rather for each team. And somebody was like, "Hmm, I don't know. Sounds like a jigsaw." <laughs> No, I thought I think it was because they it was specifically Josh Richardson, uh, and oh, did somebody, he put that in there? Josh Richardson and somebody for uh, Jimmy Butler. Butler. Uh, I think that's I what it was that. referring to. Uh, well, um, the the one that made me the most mad was Doris Burke. Wow. Um, well, she told the story of why we were at the Milwaukee game because I DM'd her and told her the story, and she didn't say the name of the podcast. Um, all right, that's all I got. Um, 
Do you know Boy, the last uh, time that the Sixers won in D.C.? It was like nine years ago, right? Uh, it was November 1st, 2013, which was Six years during ago. that 3-0 start in the Hinky era. Oh, uh, the, um, the Heat, the Bulls, and the Wizards. Yep. I remember that. Yep. That, and um, winning... That's a lot. If you would have said that was the last time the Sixers would win in Washington for the next six years, I think at that time we would have been like, oh, I guess the process didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe we started off 3-0 that year. Yeah, truly crazy. We'd be the, the LeBron Heat I know. in the first game. MCW, his, that dunk, I was going nuts. I was living yeah. with Andrew Sharp. Yeah. Ah, the glory days. Yeah. We should right. we should try uh, to make it a point to be, I mean, it's tough coming off of this uh, fucking game, but we should try to make it a point to feel better about stuff because of, because of how right we were well, and how successful. It's I been. I came in laughing and you were all mad. Yeah, well, this sucks. It's a shitty game. Yeah, they should not. I, they, you know, I think everything's great. The process worked. We were right. <laughs> if these <laughs> Eagles can win a Super Bowl and then go back to back, if they beat the Saints, come on. Yeah, I'd love it. Uh, all right, we'll uh, we'll talk to you this weekend. Are you down with TTP? Yeah, you know, lickface. We are the murderers there. That with the jail and we murdered the murderers there. Then with the hell and discovered the devil delivered some hurt and despair. Used to have power to push. Now I smoke pounds of the push. Holy, I'm burning the bush. Now I give a fuck about none of this shit. Two runner over and out of this bitch. Woo! 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 Woo!